Greetings, nerds. This is Cena Nerd. I'm your host, Sarah Belmont, and with me, as always, is our Mr. Producer, Will Paul. How are you doing tonight, Will? Doing well, Sarah. Happy holidays. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You know, we we just um, had a pre-show dedicated to cats. We did. And dogs. And dogs. And cats that cost $95 million. Uh, those are expensive, and that's why I hate cats. But anyways. <laughs> How can you be my friend if you hate cats? Oh. I love cats. But not this, no. not this, this travesty of of a of a bomb that this movie was. But anywho, <laughs> I'm just I'm looking forward to your segue because we made a deal at the beginning of the show, we did, we did and make now a deal. you get to sit in my seat for yes. a change, and this is how it feels, Will. <laughs> yes, yes. So because yes, we were having a great pre-show talk discussion about cats and. The Mrs. Producer, Miss Shalini Sankaran, is with us tonight because I could not find how much this movie cost, and she was Johnny on the spot and got it. Welcome aboard. Thank you. Thank you. You're very welcome. Yay, Mr. and Mrs. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm kind of nervous. Well, you you shouldn't be nervous. I mean, Will, how long have you been podcasting with Uh, me? With you, I think since January of 2017. So. Yeah, and I mean, only 50% of the time he says anything embarrassing. Exactly. <laughs> only 50? Only 50. Yeah, I'm actually surprised <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. you this long to come onto the show and say, Honey, <laughs> we have to talk about your criticism. <laughs> <laughs> Your nerd podcast, yes. Yes, that's what she calls it, the nerd podcast. But yeah, we, we brought we brought the big guns in tonight because we were talking Star Wars and the Mandalorian. And so we were we were and cats. and cats, definitely. Why do you keep forgetting about the cats? We just had a good ten minute conversation about cats and you don't even want to talk about it on the show now. I know, and I put it on the rundown too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So in other news, the Tenet trailer. What did you think about the Tenet trailer? Uh, I loved the Tenet trailer because it tells me absolutely nothing about the movie. I also found it to be very interesting that Robert Pattinson didn't even have a single line in it mm-hmm. um, because they made it very clear he is not the main character, which I was shocked by based off of all the headlines going out there. Oh, yeah. Um, this is John David Washington's movie, and I think there there's something really cool about that aspect. The visuals, great, but it's Nolan, so, and, and you know, I just, I, I love these movies. I love Christopher Nolan. He is one of my favorite directors of all time, and I will go see every movie he makes, even if I end up hating it, but I'm going to see it in theaters because of his track record for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know he had, he's getting back to his sci-fi thriller roots. I mean, you know, I was just thinking with Memento and Inception as far as two films I just, just loved. And, you know, this thing, this this movie has some time travel elements. And, I mean, I guess the trailer basically had some things discussing, it looks like John David Washington's character is trying to possibly prevent World War Three, But at the same time, you have the, the, the time travel elements, too. I mean, I, I just love that visual when it was... The ship was in the ocean and the wake was like going in reverse. That was just, yeah, I mean, it was just like, oh, yeah, no. Very subtle. Very subtle, but 
I mean, and and even like whenever they were showing the, some of the car chase scenes in in the trailer too. As far as I, I, mean, I, I watched it again this evening, and I was I was tr- you know trying to pick it apart, and and you know one of the lines that stuck out to me was uh, with the uh, uh, you know this is happening, and it hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So yeah, so July yeah July seventeenth. I'm told I'm still there. So we already talked about cats, and and well, so- we, did, we talked a little. I know we did in the pre-show, but I mean, the reason why it's so this this movie, I, I think everyone has it's been the probably the most lampooned thing on the internet this 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 year, and it's just amazing that. They were very, very strategic in, in their release date of dropping it the same weekend as Star mm-hmm. Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. I mean, I, I know they'll, I know people will say, no, no, it wasn't planned that way. Bullshit! It totally was sure. planned that way. <laughs> yeah, and you know, Sarah, you made a point about people might go see it over Christmas, and I guess you know if you get to the point where you're tired of being cooped up with various family members, you might be desperate enough to go see Cats. Yeah, you might. I mean, last year I was desperate enough. I went to see Aquaman with my mom. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. Hey, but Aquaman was a good film. <laughs> it was all right. <laughs> good film. It's definitely, I'm sure it's better than Cats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I do see that point. I do see that point. But yeah, yeah but yeah, but six, 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 six. I heard about Cats. Yeah, but 6.7 Following. Yeah, maybe maybe it'll pick up, but I mean it was projected to make ten to fifteen million this weekend. It only made six point seven, so uh, yeah, it's the 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 headwinds are are not favorable for for cats. Yeah, yeah. So also, um, we want. I guess we're gonna break down our our best or favorite two thousand nineteen shows, and you yeah. r- were running some pools this weekend. Yeah, yeah. So I ran a poll this past week, and um, I tell you, the, uh, the it, it, of all the shows that were released in 2019 and that were aired in 2019, some of them have been series that have been around for a while. Others were new shows that dropped this year, like The Boys and Watchmen, and and all. So I tried to get a, a, a put together a pretty comprehensive list, and I you know realized that I think I probably still missed a couple, but but the people who did respond to the to our poll, uh, the Arrow fans just turned out. It actually ended up being the top show in, in our in our poll. Uh, with yeah, so the Arrow the Arrow fans. I know this is last season. They were like, "Hey, we're going to represent." Uh, Watchmen came in second. Uh, Witcher, Legends of Tomorrow, and Batwoman were uh, tied at the next round of votes. And then there was just a glut of shows that were all all got the same amount of votes as far as H to Shield, Umbrella Academy, Star Trek Discovery, Killjoys, Emergence, uh, Jessica Jones, Cloak and Dagger, Black Lightning, and Doom Patrol. And last but not least, uh, and also The Mandalorian. Huh. Why do you think, why do you think Discovery and, well... So, I, 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 don't, I don't know if, I think, I mean, it was... Open, open on all our platforms and stuff. I just really think the Arrow fans really just seized on it and 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 voted a lot. I think it's just the love of the show, and maybe you know it was on the hills of crisis on Infinite, Infinite Earths, and so I uh, yeah, I think 
I, I think that's pretty much it's not scientific by any measure. So, right. I, but that's yeah, just but let's, let's just make it scientific. How well did the Flash do? On the, the Flash book? got zero votes, which oh. is which is which so, is not surprising. Yeah. So I don't mean to be scientific, Will, but um, <laughs> let's be honest here. Yeah. I think. Uh, people who follow our show and who are my fans voted for Arrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, you know, I freely, I probably poisoned the well with how grumpy I've been about the Flash the last for season five. So <laughs> that's true. That's true. They they could have also just followed along with you, considering how how the Flash has been a bit mediocre lately. So yeah, yeah. but but that is that is really interesting because I could have sworn we had a bigger Flash following than we did an Arrow one. Yeah, but, I, you know, yeah. This decade yeah. has always surprised me. With yeah, with yeah. Fans. So what 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 were your top shows for the year? Genre or. Yeah, jo- just genre, just genre. Uh, season two of Krypton, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think that show. Oh, it's 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 so sad to think that nobody watched it, and what they were putting out kept me out the edge of my seat, and I was I was looking forward to watching it every week. Watchmen, it, but we all know this. We talked about yeah. it last week. Watchmen is a perfect season of television. In yep. any genre, and it's not isolated. It should just be shown in film skill, and and I, I think it's perfection. What else happened this year? Now that I really sit down and think about it, those two stand out to me the most. Yeah, for me, the the ones that stand out to me are Krypton, Watchmen, The Boys. You know, The Boys is interesting. Yeah. I really liked The Boys. That finale is awesome yeah but when i think in retrospect it always takes you or someone else to remind me that that happened this year and i Mm. don't know what that says yeah and it wasn't that yeah and it was a late it was a late summer show so uh, yeah yeah but maybe that's i mean it was and also it was amazon and it you know it, it was one of those shows that it was a slow burn as far as like people really latching onto it because I know when we potted about it earlier, you know, we got summer's feedback, but then I noticed towards the end of the year, a lot of people were like catching on to it, especially uh, when they released their trailer for season two. The other shows that I think for me this, that stood out for me this year, genre-wise, were was Doom Patrol and yes. Star Trek Discovery and Last of the Mandalorian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Star Trek Discovery and The Mandalorian, Will and I actually have a pact that neither is allowed to watch it the first time without the other one, or there will be <laughs> unharmony in yeah. the household, to put it mildly. So. <laughs> I think that's a polite, say, polite yes, way of it, They're polite, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I, those definitely have been standout shows for the year, but I'm a science fiction nerd myself but i'm looking forward to do they have a release date for the next season of discovery yet um i know i don't think so i know picard is january is january i want to say 22nd or 24th and then (laughs) and then star trek discovery is later i think i want to say it's maybe in the spring of around april may time frame but i don't i haven't seen the exact release date yet 
Yeah, one of the things I think they did that's really clever is release the shorts, the Star Trek shorts in between seasons. And each one is a standalone picture, I mean, standalone 15-minute thing. But there's so many um, nods to canon and there's so many tie-ins um, that if you, yeah, that if you, um, if you're a diehard Star Trek geek, and I, I know Will is the biggest Star Trek geek I know, those shorts kind of feed your soul during the hiatus, I would say. It's kind of like what the MCU did. And I think it was right before Infinity War or the year before, after Civil War, where they released those Thor shorts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Those are great. Oh, I love it. I love yeah. it. And and I mean that's what they do in this time and age. People like additional content for whatever they're currently fanboying or fangirling about. And to especially during those hiatus periods, because now to get really good content, it's gonna be a while before they can yeah. drop the next slate if you want. And you're gonna have to take that weight. Now I don't say I'm not saying pull an S mail and wait an entire year and a half before you drop a season. Yeah, really. Uh, that's another story. But yeah, I, I like how they're doing additional content to help people with the hiatus. And they can because they have multiple platforms. And I'm actually going to watch per- Picard. Okay. Oh, oh, good. Trailer. I put it on my list of things to look forward to. And I was very disappointed it wasn't dropping this fall. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I figure uh, that's the best news I've heard in my 2019 as far as fandom. So I feel like I have won the year by like getting you to watch a Star <laughs> Trek show. <laughs> hey, hey, I I tried Discovery, and this is a this is not a scientific thing. However, I do think there is something to be said when siblings steal shows, and I cannot mm. disassociate my older brother from Star Trek. And and my dislike, and there's a lot of childhood trauma associated with it. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> I, I definitely think childhood memories plays a huge part because for me, my dad. So you may know, I grew up in Malaysia, and we had three TV channels. We had TV one, TV two, and TV three. And TV two would play. Um, reruns whenever they could get it from, you know, U.S. shows and U.K. shows. So my dad and I used to watch the original series together. Mm-hmm. So that is such a fond memory for me. And I kind of grew up around that. So that's what I associate with it. So yeah. that, that's interesting. You know, there's definitely some childhood pull or push, I think. There, there absolutely is, because there's a lot of times when Somebody, um, so Star Wars, I, I like stars, and we're going to get into the rise of Skywalker and this new trilogy. But I didn't, I don't know if I can genuinely say I grew up with Star Wars because my dad is not the biggest fan. And by not the biggest fan, I mean he doesn't like Star Wars. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So he, he didn't really show us the films. He wasn't enthusiastic about it. We saw the films regardless. We all know the lines because it's so integrated to pop culture. And then, of course, the prequels come out. And I was, I, and I don't want to share my age, but yeah, that was targeted <laughs> at 
my generation when they were released. Um, but those didn't really suck me in. So this new trilogy is kind of what I'm viewing as my Star Wars. Um, but it didn't, I, I'm not tied to the original trilogy because, and I, and I blame my dad as most things you always blame the dad, never the mom. Will, well, you- I don't know, but, but, you know, but, but I, Star Wars is a thing I share with my dad too. The, um, and I'm definitely going to tell my age because a new hope was the very first movie I remember seeing as a kid in the theaters. And my dad took Mine was the new Power Ranger movie. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like I said, I grew, you know, I grew up in Malaysia and we had um, chicken wire fence between houses. And I would crawl under the chicken wire fence to go play Star Wars with the boy who lived next door. And we would make both our little sisters captives, make them sit on the grass, and we would battle over the captives. So that is my association with Star Wars. <laughs> yeah yeah I mean, oh yeah. oh no uh i'm sorry did you not hear me say what my first what i remember yeah, i did i did and, and so let's just push this one step further we, we have this thing in alaska called alaska land and it's basically a park and there were a lot of power ranger uh, <laughs> fight scenes reenacted on that playground so 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 yeah nostalgia is a big thing and um but my dad my dad likes a star trek but it's it's my association with my brother where there's something about it and 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 i don't know but i i am looking forward to picard because i i really like that trailer and sometimes, sometimes trailers will hook new fans, and sometimes you just see the the same thing that you you saw before. So I yeah, don't know. Yeah, let's talk Mandalorian because there is a point in the show this week that actually does have a Scott Rise of Skywalker tie-in. Two two things I think actually. Yeah. 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 And and you know I I cannot genuinely put Mandalorian on my list of best genre tv shows of this year mm-hmm. and it's because it's not finished mm. and i feel like it is it's currently i like mandalorian a lot i'm not in love with the show yet i still think that it's a bit when i look back at all of the episodes only three stand out to me mm-hmm. and then the rest i've completely forgotten about or they feel like one-offs and they don't. And I know that they lead to places because we're going to obviously talk about the reckoning, which pulls in a lot of threads. And I like that. But I, I still, I, I'm still waiting for a real big gut punch to occur where mm. I'm like, wow, they really did that. And for a lot of people, it's this episode. I did mm. not have that same feeling watching this episode. Yeah, well, I think... I was grumbling about everything just seeming like a one-off without really having mm-hmm. a point. But then this last episode, when it ended, we were speechless. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, the, the, I mean, the gut punch for me definitely was how this episode ended with baby Yoda and, and, and Krill being, ended up being murdered by the, by the stormtroopers. Uh, I, I hear. Or so we know, think. We don't know. Well, we don't know. Well, yeah. It could have been joy. Krill is dead. And then. No, yeah. but a, but a good point. It could be I 
droid that was reprogrammed by Krill that did that did them in. But I, I the thing that I, as far as the season itself, I, I, I kind of, you know, it, there was a lot of walking that <laughs> some people uh, that we, we we talked about. Some of those episodes that were one offs, but you know, I think. I, I, I hear your point, Sarah, that it, it that you're giving it incomplete until we see the finale. Mm-hmm. But the the things that I the reckoning to me definitely was one of those episodes. I mean, it's one all of them stand out. I, I do remember them all, but this the, the two that were directed by Deborah Choi, this one and the earlier one where he turns on. Uh, I Number three, where he, where he turns on the guild and and has the showdown with Geek and and were real gut point punch, really transitions as far as like showing you know the the evolution of this character who is still as a, from the very beginning the the man with no name high plains drifter Clint Eastwood spaghetti western Sam, seven samurai which has been that through line throughout so even though the one offs were you know like where are we going with this I I I, I, I definitely appreciate them because they they did do a solid job of setting up except for maybe the episode with the Tatooine but they did a solid job of setting up the, all the elements where everyone comes back together here in a reckoning. And right, right. and so when it when it, when the episode ended, uh, yeah, we it, we were all in the house like, wow, okay. Yeah, I do, I do feel the penultimate episode there pulled together a lot of the threads that I was like, where are they going with this? Like the blue shrimp planet thing. Like where were they going with that? Yeah, but having car, you know, with Cara, with- oh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> I was like, what blue shrimp planet? <laughs> But yeah, but that's I'm, where they met Kara and yeah, realized my mind went straight to Watchmen with blue shrimp. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> no Doctor Manhattan here. No, definitely no Doctor Manhattan. <laughs> I, so Deborah Troy, and I'm I'm glad you brought this up, Will, because I think it's very interesting all of the praise that she's getting, and I'm not trying to cut the credit or anything, um, give her not credit, but. I think in episode three, she really left her mark because of her directing style. In this episode, The Reckoning, I don't think it was the direction that she took that made this a good episode and specifically a good penultimate episode. But it was the writing and how it did make everything that we've seen in those episodes building up to it relevant. And then leaving, leading us to a cliffhanger, knowing that there's going to be a delay before we can get the real resolution of what's going to happen. And yeah, I'm, I'm one of the people who is like, this is Disney, so I, there's a good chance Quail is not dead, or Quill is not dead, but it makes it appear that way. And if, and if he did die, I kind of do want it to be because of the, 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 the droid. Because... Right was so much emphasis or has been a lot of emphasis on why Mando does not like droids. Mm -hmm. And so for me to really get closure, (laughs) I need something to be explained about that. Because I I swear it's mentioned at least once an episode. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. I mean, yeah, I I hear your point about about her. And 
but you know, it's John Favreau wrote this episode, and he, he he's a very unappreciated screenwriter. I mean, he mm-hmm. you know, and and he's also direct. You know, he's also you know behind this show, and the thing that I think Favreau has done well with with also with Dave Filoni as far as the uh, other showrunner is the, you know and we'll get into this I'm sure when we talk about Skywalker I mean there are some unpredictable elements to this because whenever I first saw this show I had a completely different take on where what this show was going to be about and you know introducing Baby Yoda and having them basically you know I, I liken it almost to like Knight Rider from the eighties or something like that, where it's like the adventure of the week and you're safe, you know, and, 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 and Mando and, and baby Yoda going off on these various adventures with this through line of trying to run. And even, even a geek even said, you know, during an episode, you can't run anymore. We'll find you. And, and I think that's what was one of the geniuses about this, especially how predictable in some ways star Wars has gotten. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, it was it was refreshing because I think it is what Star Wars could have been if you took more chances and sort of went deeper into backstory and psyche without falling into as many of the tropes. Yeah, because because for me, I, I it's it's funny with the new new Star Wars products that are out there right now. And I know as part of it is it's just because it is television and you see these characters every week and you get a chance to get more emotionally attached to them than you say in a, in a feature film. But I, I, I felt, I feel more, I feel, and I, you know, I mentioned this before with whenever on our show, I feel more connection with Mando and baby Yoda than I, than I do with the, with the new trilogy. Interesting. It's pretty impressive for a, you know, a CGI puppet character and a Uh, character can't see his face. Right. Yeah. Well, he's pra- yeah. Baby Yoda's practical effect, but even yeah. so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I'm I'm tied to Yoda. I'm tied to Baby Yoda because he's freaking adorable and he's a child, and I like how they refer to him as the child. The child. And in the very first episode, he's also known to be 50 years old. And I know that they kind of have a line about, well, species age at different rates yeah. and everything. But I, I think that's still very interesting that they chose to, that's almost um, a paradox like, that built, built into that character to even add to the mystery of the species and who he is. But it also allows a, immediate empathy to look mm-hmm. at that as a child. Because you want to protect it automatically. So so I th- I, I'm very tied to that. Mando, it, he, he's the bodyguard. And he's the lead character. But I still view him as somebody who I think, arguably, it, unless they want to make another season following this character around, you could have the ultimate sacrifice of Mando at the end of the season in protection of that kid. But oh no, we're following tropes now. <laughs> but I can totally see that happening because I'm sure that other like um, everyone always equates it to westerns. But mm-hmm. then you also have samurais, and it's the same thing where you have the protector and then the kid, and at the end of it, the protector always dies. Yeah, true. Because that was the mission. True, true, true. 
I mean, if, if thinking on the, the theme of protection and stuff, the the child also is very protective of Mando because you know when you think about I the, that. Mm-hmm. I love that scene where you know they were doing where he and, and Kara were doing the the arm wrestling, and you know and, and baby and the child, you know Sith Sith holder held her choke holder because yeah. because something that has the ability to heal and to give life back can also take it. And that's the whole dark and light side clashing. And somebody who doesn't know the full extent or doesn't know how to use that power, that's the kind of um, fight within materializing. And I think that was really cool to see, especially because the, the simple and the cliche thing would have been, he helps Mando win the arm wrestling contest. Um, but he's a creeper, so he's going to try to force strangle her. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, he's figuring out who to trust and who's a protective mm-hmm. figure and who is um, who's an enemy. He's he, you know, he's always watching. Baby Yoda's always watching from his little car seat or portable little buggy. And, and that to me is very interesting. Also, just how much how many scenes involve baby Yoda just watching blinkingly and you're like, what is this child taking in? Right. What are you, does that shape philosophy and how, how do you discern a protector and someone worthy of healing? Or mimicking. Because when you watch Mando, Mando's an assassin. He's he's out there and he he's not afraid to kill people or whoever is threatening um, him or the child or any of his friends. So so uh, for all we know, the child has observed that and was thinking, oh, she's a threat. So let me just remove her because that's what my quote unquote dad would do. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. makes makes it even more childlike and more appealing to view that this this thing through that lens as a as a viewer yeah it's being shaped through all these yeah all these experiences and this father figure right yeah which i mean begs the question yes we know that there's a connection and it's kind of cool to think of mando as the child's father but if he's going to remain a Mandalorian, how long can he be the kid's father figure before maybe maybe he uses his powers, he turns to the dark side? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, the other thing about the this this show, and, and especially, quite frankly, what's happening whenever the child does use his powers is these folks really aren't very the force is not that big a deal in their part of the galaxy. I mean, this happens five years after return of the Jedi. And so, you know, of course in the primary episodes, it's all about the force and the Jedi and da, 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 you know, even though we have, you know, the remnants of the empire. And I know that, I mean, clearly some of the, the moth who we see at the very end of the show definitely realizes what he has here and why he wants the child. But, you know, rank and file people in the galaxy like Demando and others are kind of like some don't fully recognize what's what's going on here. Which which makes sense. And is and I'm glad you brought this up because 
that's a reminder that for people who are not fans of this job of this series and people who actually live in this universe it is rare to be force sensitive we are so inundated with stories of skywalkers sith and jedi we feel like everyone is force force sensitive at this point Mm -hmm. because it just feels so common and relevant but this show is proving whoa 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 we just built a whole universe and this is actually a very rare trait Mm-hmm. So it's not as common as we are led to believe in the cinematic universe. Right. Yeah. And that, yeah, and that's the whole point of the whole series, which is why the child is so sought after. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. force sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. Unless. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, well, it's that is the species because nobody, because force sensitive for your viewers, I don't think would be that big of a mystery or really be as intriguing, but it's also nobody knows what the species is too. And it's one of, and I get the impression it's one of the last of its kind. It ages differently. So, so there there's, I think there's also this presence of awe, astonishment because of the species as well. Yeah. 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 But you could have all that and not have the force and, it would not be sought after, in my opinion. True. 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 Good point. Fair point. But Unless that's what. It could be something cooler. Yeah, yeah, and and, and that that cool. was one. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, and that was one of the tie-ins I felt to to rise, and also obviously the healing thing element too. We saw it earlier in the season, and then of course, again when when the child uh, helps helps with you know with the injuries he sustained from the from the pterodactyl thing. All yeah. right, Will, we can talk about Rise of Skywalker. No, 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 I, no. I mean, but I, it's just very, impo- I mean, those are just very elements that, you know, whenever we first p- talked about this show, uh, I was wondering how they were going to tie it in to the events of the, of the second trilogy or the mm-hmm. third trilogy. And so that's mm-hmm. one way. And then the other way that, I, that um you know, one thing I had talked about was the whole first order elements, and hopefully we'll see some of the the birth of the of the first order. And I think that the the moth and the that we saw at the very end of the show, with you know when he came down with his modified Tie Fighter, is also again you know we're just having the remnants of the Empire, and and again I think seeing that character and all his shock troops and everything again. I think leads into you know fills in those intervening years as far as this. Hopefully, this show will, as I said when when I when we talked about the pilot, hopefully that'll you know tie into some of the things that we see in the in the future trilogy, so that you know it it, it does tie back into the the larger universe of of Star Wars. Right, right, right. So so let's get, let's get into this. Uh, what are what is everyone's thoughts on Rise of Skywalker? Sir, you go first. Yeah. Why? Why me? I feel very vulnerable going first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can go first. I thought it was you know visually beautiful, but and it ticked all the fandom boxes. Okay. But yeah, it played it. Very, very safe and almost too safe. And I was a little disappointed because it was, and I could get into this later a little bit, but um, I thought 
you know, if you were there for the fan service, you got the fan service. If you were there for sort of a deeper exploration of the storylines that had been developing in The Last Jedi, for example, then you'd be sorely disappointed because some of those were just brutally cut off. Yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. So it was meh, it was there, tick the boxes, it, you know. But yeah, we can get get into that a little bit more. I have I have some thoughts. Which which movie checked the boxes more? This one or A Force Awakens? I think this one. Okay. Interesting. Because I had a very similar review of Force Awakens where I, at one point <laughs> I referred to it as color by numbers. Yep. And so this one I can totally see and understand why people are are calling it. And I do think it was very safe. Um, I, I just like the movie. <laughs> I, I mean, I didn't dislike it. I just was, yeah. Right. It, it was, it, it was. Nothing in there was, su- well, I wouldn't say nothing was surprising, but yeah. Yeah. There, there, yeah, there were some pleasant surprises. I, 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 I so. When I when my my initial reaction after after I, I saw the film, I even during the film, especially when it had the the climactic battle at the end, I actually leaned over to our daughter and said, "It's Return of the Jedi." <laughs> <laughs> so I did, because you had the throne, you know, you had the, a it new did. throne room, yeah. and you had all this kind of stuff. So yes, it did have those elements, um, but you know, as I had time to, to think about it and and get over to a visceral gut reaction it's not my favorite star wars film but it's no phantom menace either and, right. and yeah i think that's fair yeah, yeah. so it's no attack of the clones <laughs> yeah yeah that's that well yeah that's down to my even though it even though that would age is better despite the Padme and Anakin love uh, dating scenes and whatnot, but um, there are parts of Attack of the Clones to age better, but I digress. But, you know, I think it was a very middle-of-the-road film for me as far as as far as far what I do my rankings of Star Wars. And, and you know, it, it definitely had, as you both said, fan service, check boxes, safe outcomes, but, you know, but overall, you know, I, I, I liked it. And, um, and, and and there were some some pleasant surprises uh, in 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 the film, and it was very clear as I mean, I mean oh, to the point where Luke Skywalker put it right on the nose. It's like with JJ reaching out to the fans with the dialogue line, I made a mistake <laughs> with Luke in the in the film. Whenever they went back to the world that he was that he exiled on, see. Right. I, I feel like, so I read some reactions on, on social media that said, if you like The Last Jedi, you will not like The Rise of Skywalker. Not true. And vice versa. And I think I kind of fall into that camp because there were a lot of very interesting concepts that started to be developed from The Last Jedi that had to do with individualism versus the collective and fate and destiny versus choice and free will that I was really enjoying, like, you know, so at the end of the day, the rise of Skywalker came down to this is your bloodline, this is your destiny, and you are the ones with the power. It was almost like a monarchy or, Mm -hmm. you know, an authoritarian system, right? Authoritarianism can be benign or evil. 
and right. everybody else are just actors in this, you know, serving this bloodline. Whereas right. I feel that in The Last Jedi, with some of the exploration of Finn and introduction of, you know, minor character that they could have done a lot more with, with Maz Kanata, for example, it was really starting to explore free will and individualism and choice. So Luke made the choice to walk away, for example. And, you know, Ray was supposedly a scavenger from nowhere. So, you know, and Finn, I think Will and I talked about this. Finn, um, there's a theory that he might be force sensitive, right? Oh, he so is. I, he is. So I, I liked that it was, no, it's not all fated and destiny if you're of a certain bloodline. Um, there was a more of a democratization of the the force and the Jedi order that I would have liked to see more of. Right. It's still Finn. Finn's I had such high hope for Finn going yes. into Force Awakens, and even in Force Awakens, he did not, he he did a very good job, and it was just downhill from there. Where yes. I don't know why JJ wanted to suddenly make him force sensitive. The only thing that I can tie it back to is at the beginning of A Force Awakens, there is a moment during that opening attack scene where Kylo looks over at Finn. Mm-hmm. And there's a shared moment. And Kylo senses the Force in others. We all know this. Mm-hmm. And he's often drawn to those. And so in this movie, when it's kind of alluded to that he Finn is Force-sensitive... That I immediately fell back to that moment. I was like, okay, it's a stretch, but I guess this is what they've been planning for the whole time. But I also don't think you needed to do that. There's like no last Jedi definitely didn't make that clear that he was force sensitive. It also just made it go back to what we were talking about with the man Mandalorian, where it's like people who are force sensitive, they just they all end up meeting each other. <laughs> just, right. I mean, there's always interrelating or something tied together. There was a connection, and it's just it. I I think it actually detracted from his character for me because I really liked him being having been um, taken from his family, put into that situation, and then choosing to walk away from it. I think that's a cooler arc and something they could have done more with than adding, feeling the need to add on. He's also force sensitive in this last movie. Yeah. I mean, that was JJ's way of just, I think confirming basically all the, all the fan theories that were out there that he, that he was force sensitive, but, and, and, and and to Shalini's point about democratizing the, the Jedi, I mean, that was something that I really, one of the things I did like about Ryan Johnson's take on, on the story and, you know, and, and with Ray, because it was going in that direction. I mean, that was clear that that was where they were going. Yep. And, and, and obviously JJ, in, you know, decided not to go that route, but it, it would have made for a better story and it would have, you know, explained for other characters like like Finn, who who, if the circumstances had been different, could have easily have been you know part of a, a, the Jedi Order. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, so especially 
you know, especially in the New Republic, because I mean, obviously, we know from from the Last Jedi, you know, Luke was in the process of of training a, a new order, and you know, Ben was seduced to the dark side, and 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 basically had the same same character arc as, as Anakin. So, um, so I think those well, are elements. I mean, Luke did try to kill Ben. Yeah, he did. True. He did. There is that too. There is that. There is that. Yeah, that. <laughs> that little thing. Yeah. That, that little thing. I think it, it's it, what you what you forgot to mention was the self defense that was happening when he burned it all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot but, that, but fair fair point. So, yeah. so which which brings us to Palpatine. I mean, that's really what you're getting at. Where this whole idea that Ray is suddenly of that lineage, and a lot of people who watched The Force Awakens. We, we all called it because we knew it yeah. after that yeah. movie. And, and which really part of the reason why people like Last Jedi is because there was that shift in that narrative which caught everyone by surprise. And we're like, oh, okay, cool. That, that's so much more interesting than what we thought it would be. And then they swerved back to... Swerved right back to the, yeah, to the tropes. And right. The Yep. And exactly. and then on top of it, you you also right off the bat get introduced with this notion that Palpatine has been pulling the strings the whole time. Mm-hmm. He created <laughs> Snoke. He's been manu- manipulating Ben since the beginning. So so it's just you know, um but but I'm not again, we already preface this. I'm not tied to the original trilogy. And I've I've been listening to a lot of reviews today, and everyone always talks about their the um similarities with Return of the Jedi. I don't really remember Return of the Jedi. So when I was watching this movie, I was like, Oh, okay, cool, cool. And this yeah. is happening. All right. I, I didn't realize that it was copying that movie to the extent that diehard fans are referring to it. So for me, it was like, um, I've never seen it before. So. Yeah. Fair, fair point. I mean, I, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, and, and, and clearly we, we've all talked about, you know, fans have talked about how the new trilogy does, does reference back to, to the original thing. And so of course, all of us as fans, no matter when you come into the star Wars universe are going to see things in it that you, you recognize so newer fans would see the Kylo and 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 the Anakin arc, especially in the prequels, are are, are clearer together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so so yeah so 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 for longer older fans, you know we we had the original trilogy, so we know how the story ends, and then the prequels show us how Anakin gets to become Darth Vader and stuff. So I, I guess it's not a I don't know if it's necessarily a good or bad thing. But I, I do think that by JJ being safe, JJ really, I mean, he's a phenomenal director. I mean, there's no doubt about it, but I, I really wish he had just been brave as a filmmaker and had just picked up some of the themes of Ryan from, from last Jedi and, and, you know, retcon where you need to, but. You know, I mean, there were a lot of good elements there that they could have, like, as you guys have just talked about, going with Pat, with Ray and not had her be a Palpatine. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I was going to explain, and the story, I think, would have been, fans would have been just fine with that. 
I don't know. Yeah, well, maybe. 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 Well, one thing, you know, speaking of storylines that I would have liked to see picked up as um, the Rose, the Kelly Marie, Kelly Marie Tran storyline. I mean, I thought it was a shame how her character got reduced to such a minor role after the last Jedi. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah Pippin yeah. was like, Pippin started, took I mean, all her lines. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, hey, the Hobbit's taking her lines. What's going on here? <laughs> which everyone yep. thought he was cast as a Knight of Ren, which are another characters who all I've been hearing from people is, oh, I can't wait until they explore the Knights of Ren, Knights of Ren. They didn't do anything this movie, okay? Not they they allowed cool action scenes to occur, but they were they were just henchmen. Baseless henchmen. Yeah. Yeah. They were just Kylo's. Yeah. He, they were his fancy stormtroopers. Totally. And who, but, but see, I do have to say the action sequences. I loved, I loved all the Jedi fights. Yeah. Oh, and they were amazing. That, that was fighting. That whole wreckage of the Death Star and the oh. stormy waters. And that was just visually stunning. It was just beautifully done. Yes. It was also relevant to what was actually happening with the characters. It wasn't action for action's sake. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Every time they they were going at it, it was it was them also dealing with their inner issues and issues that they've been dealing with. And and this this is one of why and I'm a Raylo shipper. Um, we all know this. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, really? I, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm only invested in this for one reason, and that's because of these two. But, but part of the reason is I think overall, out of everything they built on from Force Awakens, this connection and this dichotomy between these two characters has been one of the most consistent through lines of the trilogy. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think... They there was also an intention they made where I felt like they took what happened in The Last Jedi and and they just put it on steroids in this movie because now all of a sudden they're exchanging objects, they're mm-hmm. actually having a fight That's sequence true. occur between they these two, pieces, right? Yeah, right, and yeah. I love that because. Because it's it was a natural evolution to what we got in the Last Jedi, which I thought was really interesting and different, and um, and allowed for a lot of cool action sequences to occur. So so I loved all of that. Yeah, I'm a Finn fan. I thought Finn got shortchanged. Well, speaking <laughs> of speaking of which, so what's everyone? What did everyone think he was going to tell Ray? Since we since we're talking shipping, if- technically you're supposed to say I love you, Ray, but in <laughs> retrospective, it was he's force sensitive, or no, yeah, yeah. she's a Palpatine, because he knew that too. Sorry, how did he know? Thank you. <laughs> they never explained that, but he never, knew. There's a lot of stuff they never explained. How did he know? So, so he also said Leia knew too, 
which tells me if you're force sensitive, you can identify any palpatine in existence. <laughs> I, I'll tell you where it probably it was in the scene in the desert where she destroys the cruiser. <sighs> no, no, did... because he he was gonna tell her he was gonna tell her something before that. Before that, right, right, right. But I mean, I, maybe yeah, that's true. Else, I'm getting my the timeline mixed up, but. I think, yeah, I mean, obviously, I, the, 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 I love you, it would have been too on the nose, because then she would have been like, I know, and it would have just been like, no, I, I, don't, I don't think it was that. I think it was probably the one of the two, th- the two theories, either he was, he was Force-sensitive, and he, which leads to him, basically, maybe he didn't know that she was maybe going to use the words of Palpatine. Oh, I, but, I forgot to throw out one more theory. Um, there's also the theory he was going to tell her that he's gay and really loves Poe. Um, yeah, I know there was that fandom out there. I don't think that was where they were going. I think it would, I, I, it would be more believable if Poe was gay and really loves Finn. And Finn, you know, Finn spends the last three movies being love struck by Ray. So I don't know. Yeah, see, and and maybe I think that I actually love John Boyega. I love John Boyega. (laughs) And because I, the more I think about this movie in particular, the more problems I have with Finn as a character. And I have a Mm. lot of problems with Foe as a character, even though I do like their their opening sequence between Chewie, Poe, and Finn, and all of their rapport. Um, I really like the choice that JJ made where I was I was pissed off during The Last Jedi because Poe and Finn were separated through most of the movie. And this yep. movie, it was Poe and Finn. And I was like, thank God, because those two, I want to see a buddy cop movie with those two actors. They're <laughs> yeah. great. Yeah, they do play well off each other. And there's definitely that bromance chemistry there. But, you know, I, I was, you know, I, I was thinking about that point as far as people separated, the, the complaints about the characters being separated. And that was, and again, I know, go back, to, keep going back to this, and I've tried not to, but, you know, that was what happened in Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, they, they all were separated. Luke was off training on Dagobah, Han and Leia, you know, were trying to escape the dark, the star destroyer and ended up on Bespin. So, I mean, again, so, another parallel, by the way, yeah. I'm just going to interrupt. Ray was training. And, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So it was just like, not even a subtle parallel. They just, yeah, true. With, true. Yeah. She's training with master Leia. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know another... why you guys got so quiet by that. I thought that was cool. I thought it was, I mean, it was a cool retcon. I mean, they had to explain how she figured out how to do all the stuff she did in Last Jedi. So I think, you know, where where he took the best elements of Last Jedi and either used it to the, to their advantage for this story or, you know, depending on your point, you know, again, a certain point of view, uh, turned it to, to his detriment. No, I keep coming back to this kind of bloodline and birthright versus... The democratization, right? So, in when Ray first picks up a lightsaber, she automatically knows what to do. Now, in retrospect, you could say that's because she's a Palpatine, but I kind of like that she was a scavenger, and I kind of like that Finn could be force sensitive. Uh-huh. And you may have people out there who are force sensitive and are able to learn the ways of the Jedi without having the bloodline. And I wanted to see more of that. 
so I rewatched um, my favorite scenes of both The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi earlier today. And I watched that fight sequence because everyone refers to it and always questions why was a scavenger able to pick up the lightsaber and de defeat Kylo? And I noticed in rewatching it, she doesn't immediately know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. It actually takes until later on in the fight when she's about to get pushed off the cliff and he tells her, you have the force. Where she, in her mind, she didn't realize that. And now she's able, and then she taps into it. And that's how she's able to overcome Kylo is, is because not only, it's because she actually realizes he tells her what she has and she uses that to her advantages and becomes this, this Jedi goddess type character, I guess. But it's not an automatic thing. And, and I don't know. So, yeah, I just I just wanted to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> I did my research, Will. <laughs> you did, you did. But I do agree that Palpatine being in this movie did not have a problem with it. I do think it took away from Rey and this whole arc that they were building that she is a nobody to make her part of that bloodline when we didn't yeah. need that. We had already accepted the other theory about her as the truth. And so we did, I didn't need that, but um, they did what they did. And then, you know, they, they, they added some stuff we didn't need. And then they delivered on the very one thing I did need, which was the Raylo kiss. <sighs> <laughs> I so, thought of you. I thought I was like, I laughed out loud. I was like, Sarah Belvoir is probably, so, when she sees this, she's going to be smiling. <laughs> I was so happy. And then I was so sad. <laughs> they away. give it to you and just when they, they take it away. <laughs> so, so the other scene I want to bring up and um, is, is Han and Ben. Oh yeah. Because Definitely. you were, you brought up the line before Will about, I love you, I know. And in that scene, they use it. Which I thought was so clever because I wasn't expecting it. I don't think anyone expected Han Solo to no, show up last movie. I, my jaw, that was one of the few moments in that film where my jaw fell on the floor. I, I, I was truly, honest to God, surprised when that happened. Han showed up. Yeah. Hmm. I was, I, I did, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I know it was, I mean, basically it was Ben's memory of his father, and basically, you know, because Ray just had just rescued him, he, you know, he, he had his come to Damascus moment where, you know, he sees the errors of the Sith, but, you know, and, 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 and what better way to, to do that than, you know, to bring Han, and that moment where, you know, committed patricide there on Starkiller base. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, I mean, it, it was, it was, I mean, I should have seen it coming, but I, I, I didn't. And I, I loved it. Oh yeah. I, I was actually expecting more retcon footage of Leia being inserted, which I have to be honest, I had a problem with all of her footage. <laughs> I, I was. So I, I just, yeah. I had, why, why did you have a problem? Because it felt as if 
you you could tell with the writing that she was not in the same scene as everyone else. You you mm-hmm. you knew it was in her place, and you just the, it was so awkwardly handled. And I felt like the characters um, kept saying things that she would then say, um, and so it felt very repetitious. And so, as if you could shoot those same scenes without her, and it would be fine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, would you have been would would you have been okay if they had recast her? No, no, and no. I'm not saying that. I okay. I okay. I I'm gonna go back to the Last Jedi argument where Leia and the whole space thing, Mary Poppins oh. thing, should yeah. not have been. <laughs> that was that was right? terrible. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They could have just well, there left are a lot it. of Mary Poppins coming back from the dead things that shouldn't <laughs> happen. Palpatine shouldn't have happened. Sure. <laughs> that would invalidate the whole thing to begin with. And the whole Snoke clone thing I thought was I did not like that. I thought that was ridiculous. I never liked Snoke anyway. I like yeah. his death scene the most. Yeah. You like no. the most? I like that throne scene where they kill Snoke. Like that ah. that's the best scene. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean I I as far as Leia, I mean I get it. I mean I I I, I was going into this film trying to figure out how they would how it would come across. It didn't take me out of it because really the first twenty minutes of the film was all exposition anyway. So you know it, it, it and we and honestly uh it was the trailer, you know, the first 20 minutes was basically like, oh, I saw this in a trailer. Oh, I saw this in a trailer. They really just really kept it close to the best as far as the trailers with this film. Um, and so it, her presence, I was like, okay, it, 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 it didn't take me out of it. I didn't, but I did, but I think you're right. It could, they probably could have done those very scenes without, without mm-hmm. her character. I don't know. I thought the passing of the baton of leadership was nicely done. When, yeah. Yeah. And I thought, yeah. That, I thought that was very nicely done. Yeah. I, I think that was done. Uh, I, I liked how they tried to bring it. The, like we had the scene, the one scene of young Luke and young Leia, and mm-hmm. they were training and they kind of tied it into the fact that why she never fully embrace becoming a Jedi is because she knew at the end of her journey would it would lead ultimately to the death of her son which mm-hmm. in a way it did regardless mm-hmm. if she became one or not so but but I like those it was just some of the other instances where they're trying to do exposition and and you don't need her <laughs> they just felt like adding her for some reason yeah so. yeah yeah and 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 but it was also needed to have those scenes, though, because it, you know, with when Chewbacca, you know, found out that they had lost Leia, uh, it, it was, you know, part. And as I was watching the film, I'm like, man, all the, you know, you know, all the Star Wars that I grew grew up with, it's like, um, man, they're just killing everybody off. <laughs> and well, obviously, obviously, with Leia, they had to write in Carrie's on untimely right. death, but. Um, it was, it, it, I, it was a very humanizing moment in that film, uh, with, with the way Chewie, Chewie reacted because he's lost everyone at that point. I mean, all yeah. his, all, you know, 
Luke's gone, Han's gone, Leia's gone. I mean, Lando's back, but it it, it was a very, it was a very, you know, it hit the right emotional beats in, in the in the in the film for that to show show that there were there are some mistakes that are that are going on here larger than just you know what what, what we're dealing with. I I also think the. Um showing of Leia's mentorship of Ray was very important and how much she supported her knowing that Ray was Palpatine and knowing what her own son had become and probably knowing that she was sending Ray into this battle, right? I, I thought that was really touching. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. I it almost was as if what how Luke and Leia embraced Ray. Mm-hmm. Was their redemption for what happened at Ben? Totally. Yes. They also. Yes, they, that's what I was trying to say. Yes. Yep. You put it much more elegantly. You've had more experience with this. Oh <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I'm glad you brought it up because I that did work well, and that's part of the reason why at the end of the movie she takes the name Skywalker. She doesn't take the name Solo, like in the right. fan fiction I wrote, she would have taken that name. But oh, she took oh. the name Skywalker. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and, yeah. 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 And she chose to be a Skywalker. That's that's something else to give a credit to is that, yeah, they added this, this weird lineage with her and Palpatine. But then they also, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter of what blood you have. If you're going to choose to become a Skywalker, then, then you can do it. Mm-hmm. So... That, in a way, refutes my whole, you know, that that comes back to the, is it your destiny or is it your choice? Mm -hmm. Right. And she had a certain destiny that Palpatine wanted for her. But in the end, she made, you know, it was her free will and her choice. Yeah, right. but you, yeah, but you could, you could, you could have both of those tracks parallel. I mean, I don't think they're, they're not exclusive with each other. I mean, I think you can still have a choice, but there is that element of destiny and bloodline and all that that was a through line through this. this and saga. they allude to that, right? They allude to yeah. that anger and the hatred and. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, from the very beginning with Anakin, I mean, that's been a through line. That, yeah, I mean, they're you know even with the cursed metachlorins. <laughs> I mean, right. Yeah. Well, that's what makes for a good hero or a good villain mm-hmm. is that complexity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, the, I still think, I mean, now that I'm thinking more about the Skywalker line, that's fitting more with me, fitting better with me. Um, I still think that she, when she looked up, she should have seen Ben's Force Ghost and not Luke and Leia. I felt like that was fan service right there. I felt that Luke and Leia were, I mean, throughout her journey, were her mentors, her protectors, her guides, her teachers, and almost like her substitute parents. Mm. They're the ones who gave her the strength to do what needed to be done. So we're we're just pushing forward the incest of mm-hmm. Star Wars. <laughs> 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 well, <laughs> that one really, because that's immediately what I was thinking about. I'm like, oh yeah, my substitute parents who just so happen to be twins. And kids in the first movie, yeah. They, no, no, but they were the mentors, right? They they knew what Ben had become, and they knew what needed to be done to defeat Palpatine. I, I completely agree, and I, I understand why they chose it. 
And I think maybe this is why this movie, there's such a divide, or not even a divide, but there's a true debate happening with it, is because I feel like, and maybe you can argue this for the full sog- or full trilogy, that <laughs> that there was two types of fans that they were trying to please the entire time. They were trying to please the fans who who grew up with the original trilogy, and who wanted to see those characters come back in little ways and finish those stories while at the same time introducing other characters and telling their stories and trying to tie it all together. And so there was a lot of balancing happening between how do I finish this new trilogy and the entire saga and make everyone happy? And, and yeah. so I think that's why we get into these discussions of at the end, when she looked up, should it have been Luke and Leia, like it was in the movie, or should it have been Ben? Because I think Ben, that relationship was stronger in this trilogy. And, and really that, that um, what do they call it? They call it a dyad? A, a, a dyad, dyad. Yeah. dyad. Yeah. In the In the force. And, and I mean, he sacrificed, he, his... The only reason why she's able to do that is because he gave her his life life force. And so they are one now. And that is the balance in the force. This should have been called the rise of Ben Skywalker. <laughs> well, yeah, again, again, yeah. But again, but to your point, it 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 that that that's the intersection of the the old old hats and, and the new guard. Yeah. Um, and 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 Ben is that Ben Solo's is that focal point, uh, and Ray, uh, by as well. I mean those, those two characters, and so I could see, I, I I see your point in that if you know Ben's ghost could have easily have been on Tatooine when she saw it, but at the same time, you know the it was very fitting because Luke and Leia did basically become her surrogate parents whenever she thought she was a nobody and a nothing and a scavenger. And so, um, I think giving his, uh, his life force to her was, was that for force ghost moment. And then we had the, you know, close out with Luke and Leia. And that's how you just, and that's how you complete this, complete this story. Yeah. And, and, on the planet where it all began. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Beautiful ending to tie it back to closing the chapter on Tatooine. Mm-hmm. Or closing the story yeah. back on Tatooine. Hopefully. I mean, it, it, we are talking about Disney Studios. They always want more money. So who knows <laughs> if this story is really close. They, they also like to taunt us and say, oh, this is the last of it. We swear, we swear. Just wait another 20 years and we're going to drop three more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll drop three more with the new with the new lineage and stuff. But, but last, uh, yeah, one other point that uh, before we close out that I that I also like for Ray and Luke's sort of story and her training was the when she went back and she crashed the TIE fighter on the ex, his exile planet, I think it's Acho Chol, and you know he basically you know so, you know told her you have everything you need and he saw in the in the, the X wing you know he raised it out of the out of the out of the ocean that was to me was another 
way. I know it was a huge fan service, but it was completing an arc from Empire Strikes Back where he wasn't able to lift that out of the, out of the, out of the Dagobah swamp. So mm. I thought that was, you know, another, you know, it was a fan service moment, but it was also a, 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 a solid way of using Ray's despair to help her realize you got this kid and and, and then led the Brit and was able to, you know, then she had the, you know, th- thought of using those breadcrumbs to lead the people to the, to the nowhere, nowhere space where the, the Sith was headquartered. Yeah. And it also, um, it, it makes, it makes it more, gives it more of a reason why in Last Jedi, he just didn't use that to go and save the day and instead just sacrificed himself from that island. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it you know it was yeah I agree it was definitely a good way to make that connection back to him. which makes me think even wonder why people are having I know I know people like after Last Jedi the fandom split and everyone and everyone got really upset and either hate it or love it but but it, for me and as we finish talking about Rise of Skywalker there's tie-ins to both movies. And I don't think if you liked the last Jedi, you're going to automatically hate this movie or vice versa. I think there are parts just like there were parts of last Jedi that people hated. And then parts that you really do like, I mm-hmm. think something about this trilogy is it is there. There is um, none of these three films. I, I think I can honestly say, Oh, say don't have things that I don't like about them because they all feature and some of them feature uh, plot points that I really despise a lot more heavily than others. But still um, I think, I think really what JJ set out to do with this movie is try to bring as much as what we did like from both movies forward and things that did not work just this cast them aside. And I mean, I love Kelly Marie Tran, but her character didn't work. And, and I think that's why they, they used her the way she did in this movie rather than trying to move forward with it. But that's just my two cents. Fair point. Yeah. (laughs) Any other thoughts? I, I think we, I think we've pretty much covered all the major points from this film. Shalini? You know, just, I just thought if you're paying attention, it was cute the way there was so much fan service. There was a glimpse of pretty much everything from Ewoks to Porgs. The only thing you didn't see a glimpse of was a gun gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Speaking of things that didn't work. But, <laughs> no, I, I think that, you know, as we said in the beginning, this was a safe movie. It hit all the points it needed to hit and, Overall, it was a satisfying wrap-up. You know, yeah. There were certainly things that I thought I would have done differently, but there was a tall order to deliver on all the expectations. Over, Someone was saying that this whole arc, these nine movies, have really been the mythology of our time. So that, that's a tall order to deliver on a finale for something like that. And I think it was satisfying enough that it achieved what it needed to do right right yep Yep. absolutely absolutely well thanks so much for um guest hosting the show 
Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, um, it was it was great to get your insights. I'm always hearing about how how much your family are a bunch of geeks, and I always think it's interesting that only Will is allowed to be on the podcast. I don't I, know. I, I don't think it's so much that he's allowed. It's just that it's past my bedtime usually. Well, <laughs> you know he does that strategically, right? I know. <laughs> She, she still has many of the seasons of the Arrowverse to get caught up on. <laughs> yeah, I could not hold. I could not hold my own with the Arrowverse. It would not be good. <laughs> but thank you for having me on. Yeah. Do you want to tell our listeners where they can find you? Um, at Dr. Shalini on Twitter. That's probably the best way. And Will, where can our listeners find find you? You can always find me and send me your thoughts where you disagree on us at Will M. Polk, W-I-L-L-M-P-O-L-K. And you can follow me on Twitter at SJ Belmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. Please follow our crew on Twitter at Scene and Nerd. Friend us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. But more, most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Spotify. Good night, geek out.